Film reviews and movie news with Stuart Pink and Mark Searby. Yes, it is. It's film reviews and movie news with me, Stuart Pink. And some say when he drives home, he sat nav says second star to the right and straight on till morning. It's Mark Searby. <laughs> Live from Levenland. <laughs> yes, yes. Sometimes, sometimes, yes. Yeah. Yeah, sometimes, sometimes when you're not grown up. That's every day, right? I, uh, well, I was going to say, I don't know if I've grown yeah. up or not. That's the thing. I'm still, uh, I'm still in short trousers. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. So you've got spiky hair. It's still, still got good. spiky hair, yes, from the 80s. Yeah, yeah that's the thing. The Bubble only thing that's changed is and... I, I'm just a bit older. That's about it. You know, I've got the wrinkles around the face <laughs> now and I've got to wear glasses as well. So, yeah, unfortunately so. Who says so. getting older has to make you old? Exactly. Exactly. Yes. That's the thing. Yeah. 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 That's a topical thing there as well, because obviously we're going to be talking a bit about uh, a, a Peter Pan film later on, yes. aren't we? Um, he's, he's kind of back. He's, yeah, yeah, he's kind Something of back. Cast, but, you know, maybe. we are getting ahead of ourselves here, because we'll, obviously we'll talk about that in... 20 minutes or something like that so just, we're, just pure excitement it is you're, you're too yes. excited by it this oh, is the problem oh. you're so excited because you are the boy who didn't grow up as well um, <laughs> yeah you know so that's fine but we should probably know. start with a film that uh stars somebody who has grown up quite a lot actually over the past few years um <laughs> yeah and i'm talking about benedict cumberbatch and for, for different reasons not the fact that he used to be a child star and now he's an adult not that so the the first film we'll talk about, which is on Netflix, is The Power of the Dog. And it's about a charismatic rancher called Phil Burbank, who inspires fear and awe in those around him. When his brother brings home a new wife and her son, Phil torments until he finds himself exposed to the possibility of love. Now, I will talk about Bendit Combat in a minute, but I just want to make the point that this is... This is the first feature film from writer-director Jane Campion in over 12 years. Cool. 12. That's a break in half, isn't it? It is. It is. I mean, I been, think... It very nice. Well, I doubt it. I, doubt, <laughs> I imagine she's been trying to get films made, to be honest with you. Um, I, I think most people will think... I, I re- recall that name. Uh, she was the person who made the remarkable film, The Piano, starring um, Harvey Keitel and, um, oh, blimey, I'm trying to think who else it was. Jodie Foster as well. Um, In 1993, that's when that film came out. Um, Academy Award winning film as well. And since then, she's she's made a few other films since then, but this is the first one in, in 12 years, basically. And I think what's happened here is Jane Campion has taken this new film, The Power of the Dog, back to the sort of storytelling that we saw in The Piano because it's a very slow-burning movie. It's got plenty of desire in there, plenty of aggression as well. In fact, I think the aggression is possibly the most fascinating and quite scary, actually, part of the film because we see this macho man, Phil Burbank. You know, this is a man who is about being the head of everything. You know, you you realise that his aggressive attitude has got him nothing in life, really, yet he has got this respect from his employees. But it's more the fact that he is their employer than anything else. Um, be, yeah, be, I think it's because he strikes fear into those people. And that's the only way he knows how to live. That is until he meets the beautiful Rose. But the only way he knows how to 
seducer, woo her, I, I, whatever the way is, is he's trying to do. What do kids say these days? Yeah, I, I don't know. This is the thing. I have no idea. This is why I'm saying woo or seduce. <laughs> they're, 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 they're the two words I know. Courting. Um, yes. Courting, yes, something like that. Um, the only way he knows how to do this is by being aggressive and forthright with her and towards her as well. Yeah. This then puts Rose and her husband, who is also Phil's brother, in a quandary as to how they can all still live in the same house when there is this hate-slash-love relationship developing and pulling everybody in different ways as well. Um, so, you know, this is a movie that burns with intense anger and aggression. You you can't you simply can't get away from it, really. Um, it is very easy to side with Rose here and her husband as well, and her son, actually, because Phil is such a nasty piece of work. But he doesn't know any other way to be. So on some level, I was watching it and I was feeling really sorry for him because he, he doesn't know another life. He doesn't know how to be happy, I think is the best way, which, mm. you know, it, it, watching it and, and starting to feel sorry for this man who is an, an aggressor is kind of a contradiction of what you're, you've been feeling for a large percentage of this film's runtime. And the reason of that is because of the superb performance by Benedict Cumberbatch. That's a real task to pull off, isn't it? It, it is. I mean, let, and then like yeah, it. it really is. I mean, let's be honest, you know, and this, this goes back to what I was saying a minute ago about, you know, Benedict Cumberbatch growing up over the past few years, is that... We, we've seen, you know, we've seen him in Sherlock. We've seen him in the Marvel movies. But recently we've seen him doing other things that mm. I would suggest are out of his comfort zone. So, you know, we reviewed The Courier a few weeks ago. And I said to you, brilliantly reserved performance from Benedict Cumberbatch. This one is at the opposite end of the scale. Very aggressive performance from him. Um, I've never seen him give such an evil performance. I mean, the man is evil. He really yeah. is. And it's fantastic. And I think this type of character normally would have been taken on by somebody like Christian Bale or Daniel Day-Lewis. Um, but yeah. I think Benedict Cumberbatch excels in this role because he takes the characters, takes the character to places that he, the character and also Benedict Cumberbatch has never really been before. So we get all of these complexities with this character because Benedict Cumberbatch is suddenly doing something that I think is pushing him as an actor more than he's really ever done before. That's the thing. And I think that nice. works wonderfully into the film's narrative uh, as to, you know, how how many different ways you can read it and who you're really siding with as well. So I think hmm. while the film is full of menace, it's full of sorrow as well. I think it is also quite a study on toxic masculinity and how it can be changed in even the most hardened of men as well. So this is a film that you don't come easy to, but if you yeah. are going to it, you're going to be wowed by performances, not just from Benedict Cumberbatch, but from uh, Kirsten Dunst, Jesse Plemons and, um, uh, Oh, the son. I'm trying to think now. Uh, Schmidt McPhee. Uh, I can't remember his surname. Uh, Cody his first name. Cody Schmidt McPhee. Thank you. Thank you. Um, yeah, I knew that off the top of my head, of course. Excellent. Excellent. Yeah, yeah. But all four of them are absolutely brilliant in this film, but it is a very tough film, but at the same time, a, a worthwhile film. Yeah. Amazing. Looks like something really different, but it reminded me, you would see in the trailer of, of Benedict Cumberbatch, of, uh, of Mice and Men, that, uh, what's his name? 
curly, that kind of guy, that proper yeah. aggressive, yeah, but softy, really. Like yeah, yeah. Down. No, do you know what you you've picked up on a good point there? Is that there there could very clearly be a through line too of mice and men in this. Um, yeah, that's mm. an inter- That's a good point. That's a good point. That yeah. Nice. So this is out on. Uh, is so it this a, is a it's in select cinemas, but it's also on Netflix as well. Um, and I must say as well, the cinematography is outstanding in this. Absolutely stunning. It really is. But then Jane Campion knows how to do cinematography beautifully. If you've seen the piano, you know. Nice. Good to have Jane back. It is. Yeah. Absolutely. Stuff like this. Yeah. Absolutely. Marvelous. What have we got next? Uh, so we're going to talk about a film called Blue Bayou. Uh, this is oh. about. A Korean-American man who's raised in Louis- in the Louisiana Bayou. He works hard to make a life for his family, but he must confront the ghosts of his past as he discovers that he could be deported from the only country he has ever called home. Oh. Uh, we've done immigration, American immigration uh, yeah, it's been stories a few, before. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. And they've been slightly different tellings as well. Mm. And, you know, the thing is, the worry with films about immigration is that they can probably be a bit too melodramatic, you know, a bit too earnest for many film goers. And I've seen that before. I've seen it. You know, thankfully not the films that we talked about recently, but previously some of them have been a bit like that. Thankfully, Blue Bayou um, is not one of those. In fact, this is one of the most honest depictions of struggles that a family in poverty and having to fight against immigration has been shown on screen, I think. It is written and directed and also starring Justin Chon. Um, wow. Yeah, yeah. He's he's the, he plays the <laughs> he plays the, the main character, basically, as well. Um, yeah. This is a film that's going to have you happy one minute, crying buckets of tears the next, because we are introduced to Antonio. He's a young man who's trying to make the best of what him and his family have got. Yeah, no, it's not a lot at all, but, well, actually, it's very little, to be honest. Yet they all have smiles on their faces. So mm. already there is this wonderful message in there about enjoying what you have um, and, and, you know, just living your life. And, and they are nice. an instantly likable family. But yeah. when a loophole in the immigration policy is discovered, um, Antonio is then he's fighting not just for his own life, but also for his family's. And that's when the film really gets into the weeds on this, this stupid immigration policy that hasn't been closed in North America yet. And the more the film progressed, the more angry I got at this policy that it's even still a thing in this day and age. That's the thing is it is senselessly and needlessly ripping families apart. And I think that's what Justin Chon has written about here and has, and has made a film about, you know, he's, he's shining mm. that spotlight on it in such a way that it's not, you know, it, it's done very differently. Um, I, I think the film would be so much less without the wonderful performances by Alicia Vikander and Justin Chon as Kathy and Antonio, respectively, the husband and wife, yeah. because they bring so much humidity, humidity, humanity um, to. <laughs> it, it, listen, it is warm in Louisiana Bayou. OK, yeah, it does. It does you look know, quite warm. <laughs> um, I just think they bring a lot of humanity to each character. You know, they're, they're, they are the type mm. of people who you just warm to straight away. They're just likable people. I think. Vikander's performance as Kathy is so much more than just being a wife and a mother. There's a spark to her. 
Like the, mm. you know, she's got that sort of little, that little upturn in her mouth where she's always smiling. As I said, you know, she, but also she's got a bit of an edge to her as well. That's the thing, which yeah. only appears occasionally, only turns up occasionally. But when it does, not to be crossed, this woman at all, yeah, not to be crossed. Yeah. Um. Whereas, Justin Chon's performance as Antonio is, well. Uh, Antonio is exhausted from the start of this film, basically, because of everything he's going through. And mm. it seems like there's only going to be one outcome. And I think Justin Chong brings a certain sensitivity to the character that could, you know, this character could so easily have been a macho man. But instead we get somebody who's broken, almost. Somebody who's exhausted. Yeah. Uh, but he is... He's continuing because of the love of his family, but this is maybe one step too far for even him. You know, this is he's got nowhere left to turn, really, and it's it's utterly heartbreaking. It really is. I, do you know? What? I think probably the best way to describe this film is delicate. It's yeah. it's a, a heartbreaking story. That I mean, those the two central performances are amazing in this, absolutely amazing, and it, you know, it'll leave you angry, it'll leave you full of emotion as well. It's it's a really good film. As I said, it's a very delicate film as well. It's it's been a while since we've seen since I've seen something as this delicate, and yet at the same time be so angry at what the at the point it's trying to make. Mm. A film to sort of educate people on on something, perhaps you know, you absolutely, here, absolutely. About, yeah, I, I I have to say I didn't know a lot about this, and at the end it does tell you a bit more about the immigration policy in the US and whatever else. And if your blood's not boiling beforehand, it is <laughs> it when that comes up, trust me. Yeah, 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 yeah. Wow. So Justin Chon, this is his baby. It is. A lot into it, obviously. Yeah. And do you know yeah. what? It wouldn't surprise me if we start to see him become a major player, either in front or behind the camera in a few years' time, based on this alone. Yeah. Nice. This is blue... Bayou, Blue Bayou, but it's it's B A Y O U, so as in the Bayou, you know. Gotcha, gotcha. Where, when? In cinemas, in cinemas. Good old fashioned cinemas. Exactly, exactly. Yes, where where the lights will be dark, so when you start crying, people can't see you. Oh, this is good. This is good. We've got two more films to do, Mark. Before we do, you brought some candy with you. I ha- I have I have brought some candy. I've also Should brought somebody you. who to bring it as well. <laughs> oh, so oh. there is a candy man here with Stuart Pink and Mark Searby. Yes, it is. It's film reviews and movie news with me, Stuart Pink, the Candyman can, and so can Mark Searby. What have we got next? Uh, we've got Candyman. Now, Candyman. Now, before before I talk about the film here. Uh, we've got to be careful how many times we say this name because oh, obviously oh, you, yes. I know you've not seen the original film or any of them because I know you're not into your horror films and genuinely the the first film, the original film from the 90s still is scary to this day, still is oh. insanely so scary. So what is it? It's a limit, isn't there? How many yeah, times? five. Five. So I know you've got to say on? it in the mirror. Well, I've only said it once. I've said it twice. Okay, well, you're going to have to be careful here. Right, okay. Right, yes. okay, right. So we're going to... I can do one more safely. You, you could possibly, you could do possibly two, maybe, just in case. Okay, okay, right. So so Candyman is a sequel to the original film from the 90s. It is What was the original film called? 
I, I'm not saying it anymore. <laughs> Don't try and tempt me. Stop uh, doing it. There is a mirror in this studio as well, so that's the worrying thing. Um, no. So basically, this is a some years later sequel to the original one. It ignores the terrible sequels as well, thankfully. Oh, good. The, I mean, always the worry is when they turn around and they say, we're going to make a sequel to a, a much-loved horror film. We're going to ignore all those, and we're going to do something slightly different to it but still keep it in the mythology of the original film you go oh i don't know what's going to happen here i have to say that near de costa who directed this has made a worthy sequel here um yeah this time it is about an artist called anthony mccoy who has told the harrowing story of Candyman. that's three um <laughs> who is the killer from his old neighborhood now over time anthony's artwork begins to be inspired by the hook-handed urban legend mm -hmm. yes so it oh, does oh, delve oh, into oh. mythology of the uh the, ah, yes yeah okay thank you so what happens is in this film we we where it all starts is is it shows you even more earlier stuff than the original film you know it goes back to cabrini green and how the legacy still lives on i mean there's a lot to fit in to this 90 minute film but somehow it manages it and i really like the fact that we see this slow descent of anthony into becoming obsessed and addicted to these stories i mean he starts to get very obsessed to the point where his girlfriend is genuinely afraid of him and what he might do and i think in mm. some ways the way that the central character becomes obsessed with the legend is almost like a possession possession story in itself you know there's a lot of similarities between this and the night the, the possession films of the 1970s and 80s so instead of going all out with blood and gore instead it sort of chooses to to go down the haunted imagery route with real people in real cities in real life and that's why the sequel i think stands out quite a lot as well yeah. i mean yeah. okay it does get gruesome at times i mean how can it not you know the original one did as well but I think this film is so much more than the horror. It's it's a film about politics. It's a film about race. It's a film about social standing as well, which, you know, once again, that's a lot to pack into 90 minutes. And that can sometimes be a bit too much for a horror. So, see, exactly. That's the thing. Sometimes you yeah. think it's a horror film. Can we just have the horror place? Yeah, but I actually, I think it does it very well. I think it Excellent. does it very, very well. Um, I love the imagery in the film incredibly haunting scary at times as well um the scenes of the the hook-handed legend i've got to be careful here um oh. uh, appearing in the mirror and yeah. other places continues to be some of the scariest imagery in cinema history i think i don't think you can get away from it at all um do you know the thing is as well is i really don't want to say too much more about the film because the experience of watching it was a genuine delight for me because I was thinking, oh, I don't know how this is going to go. I love the original film. I, you know, it was one of it was one of the films when I was it's growing up. It's a bit of a up. classic. It yeah. is. It absolutely is. It absolutely is. But this is this is a really interesting horror film because it's very forward thinking. And I think to that degree it becomes quite scary and quite terrifying in different ways. As I said, you know, it's about race. It's about social standing as well. So uh, this is, uh, to me, this is how you make 
a sequel to a much-loved horror film. You do it like this. You you switch it up a bit. You start to talk about other things. You start to talk about the wider environment where Candyman came from. That's four. Um, I know. So, listen, I, I thought this film, I thought this was very good. Very good indeed. Excellent. A real pick and mix of different subjects in there as well. <laughs> Excellent. So where's it? Where is it? Where's it out? What's so it this again? is uh, DVD and Blu-ray, and I think also you know it's on uh, premium streaming as well, so you can pay for it to, to stream. Nice. Excellent. One hour and a half of great uh, sweet stuff. Yes. Yes. Well, sweets for my sweet, which actually <laughs> yes. is in the film. Oh, there we go. What's the yeah. film called? I'm not... <laughs> oh, oh, do you know oh. you almost got me then as well. Almost got oh, come oh. on, let's get on to this other one. Quick. Oh, Quick. Uh, what's our next one? Okay, so on DVD and Blu-ray, we're going to be talking about Wendy. Um, oh. Yeah, I know. I know. You're so here excited by this one. We're off to Neverland. Yeah, well, it, it says here, lost on a mysterious island where ageing and time has come unglued, Wendy must fight to save her family, her freedom, and the joyous spirit of youth from the deadly peril of growing up. That's a beautifully written description. It is. It is. It really is. You know, um, so this is a retelling of the Peter Pan story that comes from director uh, Ben Zietlin, who directed Beasts of the Southern Wild. So if anybody saw that film, I think probably about, oh, blimey, nine years ago now, something like that. I think it was. Um, Mm -hmm. This kind of follows on. It's a very atmospheric and ethereal piece that obviously takes the legend and screws it to be in a sort of Lord of the Flies-esque type storyline. So, you know, the idea of a slightly twisted take on Wendy's story from Peter Pan is such an interesting one, I think. Um, But Zietlin, who who wrote the screenplay, actually, along with his wife, I mean, he makes hard work of a story that I thought should be fun and joyous. But also a little bit terrifying as well. Let's be honest, you know, the, the the original story is, if you look under the surface of Peter Pan, there is a slightly terrifying story there. Um, under the surface, Captain looks so scary. Yeah, I know. It's, it's, it, exactly, now. exactly, yeah. Um, so instead we have this film that basically had kids running around an empty island, playing by their own rules without any thought as to how the story progresses from those initial moments of freedom. I think moving Wendy to be the central character should, in theory, give a different perspective on how the kids live and survive on the island. But the film, I found it to be much more interested in making an almost flight of fantasy viewing experience rather than a solid main plot. And, Mm. uh, you know, it's just hugely annoying to watch a film with so much potential, throw it all away in favour of being a film that drifts through a plot via the means of hazy writing and and some woozy cinematography. I mean, the, the camera work in it, I found really infuriating because it's clearly done with a chest camera. Okay, which means that many shots jump all over the place as the camera tries to keep up with the kids running through the forest. It also manages to cut off some of the top of the heads during the scenes. Oh, no. Oh, no. Now, obviously, it was done for a reason. But to me, I'm watching it and thinking it just looks slapdash. You know, 
as if the director only has one shot per scene. I mean, of course he mm. doesn't. And anybody who's seen Beasts of the Southern Wild will know that Zietlin's work is, is very rough shod. Some of it works. I think a lot of it doesn't. It It's infuriating as to how non-structured the film is. You know, I, I like a director that doesn't stick to conventions, but there has to be, I think, some operating within the confines of cinema. And this film feels like it wants to expand minds but instead I, I just felt frustrated with it that was the thing i felt really frustrated and i must say as well this is not a film for kids by the way it's oh really oh, yeah, yeah yeah no 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 absolutely not i know obviously it's it's based on the peter pan story but it's, it's really not it's very much an adult film that leaves heavily film. leans heavily on spiritual experiences so mm. yeah. it is difficult to know who this film is really aimed at because yeah. even the Wendy storyline, which ultimately doesn't do much as because she's quite an unengaging central character. I felt it didn't connect on any level. You know, the, the, it's a, it's a flight of fantasy piece that doesn't take off. Pardon the pun. But, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know, Good but it, it's Good one work. of those films where I'm like, who is this for? I, I genuinely don't know who it's for. Yeah. That's a little complicated. So you've, Presumably you have to have seen Peter Pan. I mean, just because it's like a bright passage. Well, I mean, um, let's face it. You don't have to have seen it. I think you have to be aware of the story. I mean, if you read the book or something else like that, or if you're fully aware of the original Peter Pan story, then fine. But this is trying to, it's trying to be a little bit too much changing, I think. Yeah. Oh, that's a shame. They had a lot of potential in the story. I thought yeah. Was a yeah, 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 yeah. I'm with you yeah. on that. Yeah, I mean, I saw the trailer and thought, this is interesting. This looks quite interesting, mm. you know, and the way that the, the cinematography was in the trailer, I thought, this is quite interesting. And then it just, it, the camera work just really annoyed me and frustrated me. I just thought, I can't, I can't be doing oh, with it like this. Mark. I see you've grown up now. I have, I have, this yeah. This is the difference. I, yeah, I know, I know. <laughs> I'm going to go back and watch the Robin uh, Williams one. Is that okay? Is that, that's fine. Is that the, that's fine, yeah. 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 Expunged out from your memory. That's, that's probably best. Nice. Uh, what you got to uh, bring for us next week, Mark? Next week, we do. We are talking about Steven Spielberg's update of West Side Story. Oh, is it East Side Story? <laughs> no, it's a remake. No. It's a oh, remake. Okay. Um, we're also going to be talking about the new Guy Ritchie film, which stars Jason Statham. It's called Wrath of Man. You can Wrath imagine what's going to be happening there. Yeah, um, awesome. Yeah. And then on DVD and Blu-ray, we're going to be talking about Ridley Scott's uh, medieval epic, The Last Jewel, starring Matt Damon and Ben Affleck and Jodie Comer. And also on DVD and Blu-ray, we're going to be talking about a comedy all about some uh, crooks who tried to steal Charlie Chaplin's uh, dead body. It's called Stealing (laughs) Chaplin. Oh, wow. I know. True story. It is a true story, all based on a true story. Yeah, absolutely. People think that sounds bonkers. No, trust me, true story. Oh, my God. Okay, cool. Excellent. I shall bring my uh, bowler hat. You shall. <laughs> and your walking <laughs> game. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And we'll do the whole thing in silence, black and white. That could be tricky for the radio. <laughs> and uh, what you got to watch on the telly books this weekend? Well, it's December, isn't it? And it we can now talk about Christmas movies. December. So. On Sunday, 5.10pm, BBC, uh, sorry, ITV2 is The Grinch, 
but it is not the Jim Carrey version. It is not the original version. It is the 2018 version that was made by uh, Illumination Studios, who make Minions. Um, I have a lot of time for this version. It is uh, aimed yes. at younger children, very young children. However, I think there are a lot of funny moments in this. I think the Grinch is really good. You know, it's a lot of fun watching the Grinch try out all these tricks on the townsfolk. I did laugh a lot when the Grinch was on screen. Um, you know, if you laugh at the Minions, you're going to laugh at the Grinch. It's, it's basically a very continuation of that. Um, I just thought this was really funny. I, You know, it's it's a nice update it's a different update. That's the thing. Anybody expecting the darkness is not going to get that. This is very light and very fluffy, but I thought it was good. I laughed all the way through this film, and uh, that's a good thing. Awesome. And starring Benedict Cumberbatch, who we've just been talking about in a very different role. Benedict Cumberbatch does the voice of the Grinch, which I was unsure about, but I, I kind of, yeah. in this one, I felt like it worked a bit. I was like, okay, that's fine. Awesome. So this is the 2018 version out on... Uh, ITV? ITV2, Sunday, 5.10pm. Excellent. Full it's of grinchy planner. goodness. What <laughs> did Grinch do? Also, I've got to record it. I thought it's a bit too early yet, but I'll record it and save it up for it's, Christmas. It's not. Right. It's not. No? no? No. Okay. Excellent. Best enjoyed with mulled wine. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> or a mince pie or any. Random festive treat you feel like <laughs> too early for the after eight, so I've been banned from them. They were still in the cupboard. Oh, oh well, you you only make a pig of yourself with those after eights anyway. So well, this is it. I'm terrible. I have them at seven fifty sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> Mark, I shall see you next week. Will do. Candyman. <laughs> Film reviews and movie news with Stuart Pink and Mark Searby. Thanks for listening to Film Reviews and Movie News. We've been doing this podcast for years now. We've watched hundreds of films and some of them are actually quite good. For even more reviews or to get next week's Film Reviews and Movie News delivered directly to your device, pop along to stuartpink.com forward slash reviews. With Stuart Pink and Mark Searby. Film Reviews and movie